Yo, 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 what's going on, everyone? It's Dr. Jordan Seda coming to you live from NYC. Are you ready to go to health and back? All right, let's get it. Welcome to Health and Back, a podcast run by a physical therapist focused on fitness, performance, and mindset tools for success. And now, here's your host, Dr. Jordan Seda. amazing holiday whether you celebrate boxing day christmas kwanzaa any of the other holidays i hope you're well and uh, hopefully avoiding this COVID shitstorm that's upon us uh but anyway i wanted to roll in and introduce uh, a special guest i have today mr randy bowen randy what's going on man good morning sir good morning everyone hope everyone is well as jordan mentioned COVID is crazy right now it's crazy stay safe yeah so uh Randy, you're also in New York. Uh, how has COVID affected uh, you and your fam the past couple of weeks? Because I know I've had plenty of clients call out because they got sick or close contacts with people. What's up with you? Uh, I mean, because I'm in this school system. I'm a guidance counselor. I've been a guidance counselor for 14 years. So uh, I started noticing the uptick, you know, around November. We had a lot of kids who had to quarantine, a lot of kids close contact, uh, two kids tested positive. A true story, one of my seniors uh, comes up to me. I'm walking to a class that I teach. Uh, he says, uh, hey, Mr. Bowen, I just tested positive for COVID. And he's like face to face with me. I'm like, OK, you know, you try to remain calm in that situation. But you're like, oh, my God, like, do I run away? Do I like knock him out? Um, and, then it, and then he actually tested twice uh, for COVID. So it that was like a reality where I'm like, OK. And then, and then next day, half my class is gone. And I have a class of 32 kids, and that class turned into like 13 in one, one day, just off of quarantine. Wow. Um, and then family-wise, you know, it's, it's Christmas. So I wasn't able to spend time because there's a debate in my household with whether you should be vaccinated or not. Um, and so with a baby now, um, I had to kind of stay away. So it's, it's been a very weird Christmas. You know. But still alive, still healthy, so can't complain. Yeah, there's a, I guess having our health is one of the truest things to be grateful for during this time. Um, now, are the schools planning to open up after the winter break? Oh, the Department of Education has no intention of, of shutting down. It's going to be interesting to see with the new mayor uh, and a new chancellor, kind of how they proceed. But as far as what we're hearing, they have no plans of shutting anything down. I think. Um, uh, Mr. Adams maybe shares the same sentiments as de Blasio as far as kids are safer in school. Whether that's accurate or not, that has yet to be determined. Uh, they've kind of shifted the criteria for when a, a class is shut down or when a school is shut down. So we haven't had many shutdowns as much as we've had uh, maybe this time last year. Um, but who knows? I, I think they, they, they want us there. They want us to function. I think they're focusing on the educational loss, which is a reality. And I know, you know, some people don't know about it or don't believe in it. But yeah, I mean, having the kids go to remote without proper preparation is showing now when they're when they're back in the classroom. So as far as I know, we're full steam ahead. Oh, man. So, yeah, it's, it's crazy because you I, I've known you for some time now, and I know that you're a school counselor 
and you spend a lot of your time helping you know these children develop and you are an integral part of helping them get to the next level which for many of them would be college uh, so I can't imagine during this time it's uh, very easy to go on college visits to expose children to different resources so to that point I always think about being a child in this generation compared to when I was a child going through school and when you were a child going through school. So aside from COVID just totally ruining, well, not ruining everything, but posing considerable obstacles to, to children, what else, what else have you come across recently or even in the past few years that are some of the greatest obstacles our children face in schools today? Um, I believe there's an article on, uh, from the United States Surgeon General and one of the top three crises that you know we're, we're living through is a mental health crisis. And he said specifically amongst kids, and that is that is evident. I mean, our social work uh, department has ramped up, like taking on a lot of a lot more interns this year. Um, our middle school social worker, I ran into her a uh, week before school closed. She said there's been an uptick in suicidal ideation. I'm seeing it in conversations with students. Uh, related to college before COVID, we would get, you know, 15, 20 kids that, you know, or 25, that would say, you know, I, I want to attend school outside of New York City. Now you have maybe like six or seven. And then it's the actual uh, impact that they're feeling in the household. So, you know, a lot of their parents are still trying to find jobs. They themselves is also, you know, thinking about like when we were younger, how we were dying for like a part-time job or like dying for a summer job. Um, all my students have jobs and it's insane how many, like everybody has a job, which is putting additional stress and pressure on the educational process for them. So mental health is definitely something that has uh, been attacked by COVID and is continuing to be uh, attacked. And it's not so much uh, the initial impact, it's like the, you know, the, the residue of it. Um, the fear. Uh, I can't walk outside. I'm sitting next to someone um, that ha has a mask that could be a close contact. Um, you have students in foster care and in group home now, and their situations are even worse because uh, they don't have a solid structure at home. So it is when you, if you know an educator, make sure you hug them um, with their permission, of course, because it is it is like a, the battlefield out there when it comes to mental health and even even as someone who deals with college my students are 11 and 12 graders so they're 17 18 years old so they're be you know preparing to become adults and they're asked to be and they were before but but it's i think it's worse now they're asked to like really hold down the household and at the same time study and at the same time um, make sure that their futures are right and that, that's a lot to ask uh, these young people yeah, but I guess to to one point, I, I think it's a great thing that the students are utilizing those services, those resources that you provided for them with the, the social workers in school. I didn't even know you had that available. So uh, do you think that's part partially a, a product of mental health awareness just being more prevalent now and students feeling more comfortable reaching out when they need help? So I, I think it's been the premise of the school before we hired an additional social worker. So before I got there, we, we had a social worker, but the premise of the school, um, as far as the principal that started it, was all about connecting with kids, all about uh, social emotional before anything. Uh, academics and everything else came later. And I think that we just kind of, you know, uh, 
held on to that torch and, and kept it going with the addition of a social worker. But I mean, from the time that I've been there, you know, when I started, that principal wanted to implement an advisory system where, you know, you have adults who are responsible for eight to 10 uh, students every day, checking in with them, making sure that everything is okay. Um, and then we shifted that towards more academics, but still interweaving the social emotional. Um, unfortunately, we had a student uh, who committed suicide in 2013, and that is what kind of ramped up social work and social emotional even more to where our social worker uh, took on interns. And then fast forward to two years ago, before I had that knee surgery that you supported me with, I told my principal like we we need more. And this is before COVID. I was like, we need more social emotional support for the kids because the college process is a beast in itself. And also, what you're seeing is you want to start that process earlier. So that kind of takes away time from dealing with the okay, well, I'm not feeling great. Uh, and so I had asked him to hire a social worker, which he did, um, which is which which has been a blessing because now with COVID and who knew who could have told this where this is where we would be at. Um, it is it is absolutely necessary to have multiple adults responsible for students and then we're a small school so i don't know how many students i was in school that we had almost 2000 kids i never saw a guidance counselor or a social worker and maybe i didn't need it and you don't even know you know um and and that's a beautiful part about assessments too right like that's the next next step in this whole process and i think that's what what people are more aware of is that you don't have to have one person walking around chasing every single kid you do an assessment and that can help you figure out, OK, this kid is struggling with this or this group of kids is struggling with this. You put them together to support each other. And I think that um, lends itself to being a comprehensive program. So I think we've, we've always, um, to your question, had it. But I think we are, you know, calibrating it as we go and, and making it better. So when a student enrolls in your school, they undergo a, a health assessment? A mental health assessment and a, a social emotional mental health assessment. So the good thing about our school as well is we have a school based health clinic, which a lot of uh, schools, I'm not sure if they do or they don't. So we're a community school and the idea of that is exactly how it sounds. Uh, every student needs multiple different things in order to be successful, whether it's vision care, whether it's um, a checkup, whether it's um, hearing, whether, you know, food, so on and so forth. So we provide all these services, sort of like a la carte. Um, so every student that walks in the door uh, receives in middle school a, a mental health, a social emotional assessment from the social worker. And then from there is connected to uh, social work interns or the social worker herself. And then in high school, kind of continue that process as well, just because, you know, you want to make, you want to update your data um, as time goes by. Um, and then it gets to me and it's like, okay, we have a, a, a entire picture of kind of who this kid is and last seven years, which, you know, try to take advantage of because they're with us for a long time versus the traditional middle school, high school split. And then, you know, hopefully we, we've helped and supported them and provided them with tools to be equipped to handle what life has to throw in their way. Oh man. But um, even after all the time, you still want to be a guidance counselor. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, I think so. I, I think, you know, you, you, I think in any profession, maybe you've had it too, you, you, you think about, obviously, do you still want to do this? And are you doing it at a level that you started with? I think that's everybody's thing, right? Like where it's like, all right, I've worked really, really hard my first, second, third year, 
am I still um, producing uh, or giving off that same energy 13, 14 years later? So you do have your moments where you're like, okay, well, I don't know if this is um, going to be the end all be all. And for me coming from finance, I came from finance before I wasn't always in education. You always get that little bug where it's like, oh man, like, do I want to go back in? Uh, do I want to go into real estate? Is this something, you know, but uh, yeah, man, I mean, as far as today, if you ask me today, yeah, I still have fun with it. I, I still enjoy it. There's still moments where you have your lowest of lows um, and you have your highest of highs. So in, in one day, I, I had a student who is like, had, was getting kicked out of foster care, had to be moved to another one. And it's just, you know, and this is around Christmas. And then you know, a period later, a student got into her dream school and through a full, full uh, posse scholarship. And this is within a span of an hour and a half. So you have your extreme high and lows, which can really, really wear on you, especially with the holidays as well. Um, you see an uptick in like, kids are just not focused or sad because, wow, school's going to be closed for 10 days. And this is where they come to kind of escape some of those um, issues. But yeah, man, 14 years, maybe 14 more, who knows? 14 years. 14 years, 14 years. <laughs> yeah, but I thought you were still in your late 20s. How is that possible? Oh, black don't crack. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just know that mo most people won't be seeing you when you said that, so now they can put it to have a mental, a visual of what you look like. Oh man, I had my camera on the whole time for nothing. Yeah, well, I even <laughs> people can see you, uh, you, this will be available on YouTube for those who want to see your face, but to those who are just listening on a car ride or whatever, now now they know Randy's uh, one of our finer black gentlemen in the, in the world. And definitely a, a role model for me, even though I was, um, the provider for him, as Randy said, going through knee surgery. And even before that, uh, I've worked with his wife before, uh, and uh, they're wonderful people. Now, I, I spend a lot of time educating my clients as part of what I do, building a connection with them and educating them on the best ways to take care of themselves, to decrease the likelihood of injury and get back to achieving the qualities of life that they wish to have. So. In your 14 years of being a counselor, I guess even before or during this time uh, with COVID, what have you found to be the most uh, core principles of being an effective educator to people? Wow, uh, heavy question. You know, and I told you I had a, an interesting story for this. So I was actually on another podcast. I will not kind of put them out there, but I had a really bad experience. I had a bad experience because the premise of the conversation was exactly what you're asking, which is what are the techniques and tools? What are the principles? Like, who are you and how can you be an effective? Like, how do you know what you have will make you effective? Uh, before COVID again, three years ago, um, and in going into marriage counseling, our therapist uh, is a trained in, in this uh, technique called EMDR. So it's eye movement desensitization reprocessing. So essentially it's for anyone that has uh, some kind of traumatic event, perhaps anxiety, perhaps, perhaps depression that stems from this traumatic event that's very uh, deep seated within the brain. So it's a very biological thing. 
And it's just a technique though. It's not like you just do EMDR. There's so, so many things around it. You know, you have to develop rapport with your clients, which is usual. You have to set parameters. You have to um, provide them with things like uh, controlled breathing, meditation, um, reflection. There's so many things around it. So I'm on this podcast and, and there, you know, three older people were talking about kids and, and they're from the, they're from the mentality of, you know, you, you do as I say, not as I do, like very, very old school, you know, and it's just antiquated because what I, and I tried to express them is that kids have access to information that we didn't have. You can fact check your parents with the click of a button. And so they're still operating of the premise, well, we have full control, we have to have full control. What are feelings and emotions? You, we don't have time for that. This is my ship and this is how I steer it. And what I was trying to uh, say on this podcast was that you have to allow kids to have a voice. A lot of times as adults, when we think about our darkest and, and, and most stressful times is because we felt like we weren't heard whether it was inside the household, whether it's with a friend, whether it's at a job, whatever the case may be. And so I would think I was able to see that because I've been on this path of reflection, whether it was through the process of this marriage counseling or whether it was just learning how to be a guidance counselor. Um, and I also reminded of a friend who's a father who said, um, kids are your, 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 your most, he said, kids are your best teachers. Like you could learn a lot from kids. And I've learned a lot even from having my own kid, but you have to be aware and receptive to that learning. And so I think that one of the, you know, core educational values is just being able to reflect and not um, being quick to say, you know what, it's about right or wrong. It's about the situation. Not saying that you let your kids kind of run rampant and let them do whatever they want. You have to definitely set parameters, but you also have to instill choice, right? And, 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 make them feel comfortable to voice kind of how they feel and express who they are as people. And I think that's, I think, at the heart of education. And then I thought about, you know, kind of like, would I be effective in a, let's say, gifted and talented program? Like uh, my wife sent me, she sent me a posting about a, a position for, um, and it's like a curriculum writing gifted and talented program, 400 grand a year. I was just like, oh my God, please take that job so I don't have to work and I can be a stay-at-home dad. Um, but I've never been in a gifted and talented program. And then I was like, well, I don't necessarily think I would be effective because I don't know, wouldn't know how those kids feel, wouldn't know their perspective, wouldn't know the expectation, the pressure, so on and so forth. And in my school, one of the initiatives that we started was just a committee on racial equity. And this happened around, you know, um, George Floyd's death. And we realized, you know, kids were suffering from that. And I'm like, we were shocked in the sense that COVID was happening and they still were like, wait, this is ridiculous. And I feel a certain kind of way. So we were like, all right, we have to kind of start this initiative. And we got the, you know, students involved. We got the teachers involved. But I think that's also what I noticed about um, when you're, if you're going to be an effective educator, you also have to, you know, be reflective as far as like race and, and who you're educating. And there's you, we can have another podcast on that one where you're, you know, some people feel like, you know, educators of color are more effective for kids of color. And that may not necessarily be true. I think it's about the person. I think about his person experience, ability to reflect and also to learn because that's the third step. And that's where we're at. So we've, 
we highlighted the issue in our school and our school is predominantly Dominican. And the issue is, you know, um, are our kids aware of their own culture from the Dominican perspective and then how they interact with the students who are not, you have Ecuadorians, Mexicans, so on and so forth. And then, you know, second part is like, all right, we make, make them aware by educating them, but also where's the reflection part. So that's where we are with our teachers because teachers are by default, used to just saying, here's my curriculum and I just want to push that. And we're trying to shift the mentality of, it's not just about your curriculum. You have to be reflective of the person that you're teaching because Jordan, you think about your favorite teacher in school. Were they your favorite teacher because you walked away knowing the periodic tables of elements by heart? No, right? It, it, they were your favorite teacher because, and I'll let you answer. Why was that teacher for you? I saw the smile on your face, so you definitely connected to this person. Why was this person your favorite teacher? No, I was smiling more because uh, now in this world of so much information, I saw a meme not too long ago where that said, "Well, here's another day that I didn't use the Pythagorean theorem in my life." Just like you know, I think it's a different point of like the the, the content of material in which we're learning in school that's not so applicable to daily life as an adult. Whereas I think the points that you're touching involving you know, being reflective and giving children a voice, you know, those are things I wish, you know, I, I think I turned out all right. I, I wish in my curriculum growing up, that was something that was spoken about where, you know, I'm really encouraged to hear that the, the emphasis is less so on the content of the curriculum, although obviously you need to get into college and understand the baseline level of, of information, but to understand why you're learning, who, who you're learning from and with, and how that manifests on a, on a broader, in a broader picture is uh, really comforting. But I think, it's, I think to your point, it does touch on that. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Okay, that's great, right? But that's just a, a, a thing. I remember, um, and I can speak to many educators that I've had where it has nothing to do with, with what I'm doing with my life. For example, my um, AP US history teacher, right? Uh, he had a situation where, and I don't know, I mean, I might have shared a story with you, but it's a friend of mine that we used to kind of sit, you know, he used to sit behind me or whatever the case may be, take our first AP test. <clears throat> he gets a 93, I get a 92. Uh, next test, and this is 11th grade, next test, for some, he just says, you know, uh, you know, one of you sit in the front. I'm like, huh? Like out of nowhere. And it didn't click until after, because, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, if you had like a racist experience, it, yeah. one of those where it's like, it happens and you're like, wait, did this just really happen? You have out of body experience. So we take the test, uh, he, he gets like a 91, I get like a 90. So the proof is there, we, we have the knowledge. What that teacher didn't see is that, and he actually taught me how to study, like how to really study for college. Like if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been prepared from a study perspective as far as college. The powerful message in the story is we're walking to my friend's um, home. He doesn't live too far from the school. And this, he stops us, he's driving, uh, he stops us and he apologizes. That's the reflection part. Right? That's the part where it's like, you know what? I made a mistake and I'm not, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with owning up to what my, my mistake is. And from that point on, we, we had an amazing relationship. But he, it was AP US history. If you ask me about the war or whatever, I'm like, I don't know. 
has nothing to do. I, I don't remember any of that stuff. What I remember is number one, he taught me how to study. And number two, he showed me that it's as an just because I'm an adult doesn't mean I'm always right. I can make mistakes and I and I recognize my mistake because we're all people. So I think there's power in that. Yeah, I uh, I certainly agree. My I think my father is having a little bit of trouble understanding that point that you know when he used to advise us as children, it would be the way like you were saying like this is what I'm saying, this is how it goes, but. I think now that I'm educated and I'm able to have a, another conversation, I have other sources of information in which to make decisions with. Uh, I think he's finally now resigned to the fact that, you know, my sons know a thing or two and maybe I don't, maybe I should ask them for advice on certain things. Like how do I make my food healthier or what's the best way to, to travel to some place and understanding that his sons are resources and, be okay with it. Be okay with knowing that you're you're not perfect and that if anything, he should be proud that he raised two sons that can be wonderful sources of information and benefit him moving forward. Yeah, yeah, but I, and I don't know where your, where your dad's from. My parents are not from this country. So I think a lot of that teaching is based off of fear. It's like a, a lack of understanding about the environment. It's, you know, raising a man of color in the United States, which there's a history behind that it's not necessarily great uh there's so much pressure that there isn't in their minds any you know any area to say i want this person i want this kid to question this part it's like you have to listen to what i'm saying yeah. if you don't listen to what i'm saying it, it literally in some situations can be like that um and so i think they they, they kind of operate on that premise you know and you know as it, it, being an adult now and being someone who's reflective and educated you understand that uh, it might have been appropriate for the time but it may not be something that you want to do with your own family yeah for sure uh, i i just keep going through all these memes that i've seen about all the issues we're talking about and i, I can't help but smile it's like I'll, I'll share one of them it's like i saw before christmas they had a, a little a little boy asking alexa if everyone doesn't know what alexa everyone should know what alexa is by now like the amazon uh device that's pretty much listening to all of us in our households. And he, and he asked Alexa if Santa Claus was real. And the father was sitting like on the couch <laughs> and Alexa said Santa wasn't real. So then the father was like outraged that he, no, that when Alexa broke the news to his son that Santa wasn't real and the kid was so upset. And he was trying to like, no, Alexa doesn't know what she's talking about. But to your point, you know, there's so much information out there. Like, even if we try to teach people one way, it's like they're going to come into situations better informed or overwhelmed, if anything, because there is so much information to digest. Uh, and it's, it's really, it's really challenging. Particularly, yeah, yeah. particularly in my field, when people come in, they get a diagnosis from a physician, they can look it up and they can, like oh but the internet says this or i read some blog post that says my diagnosis is this but i think you can appreciate that everything's individualized so it doesn't necessarily fit this uh just any necessary description and the severity of certain injuries can vary among individuals so uh, my challenge is to educate people in that context like what is their willingness to accept 
what I'm about to say relative to all the information that's laid out there uh, on the internet or through a friend or through the physician. And uh, that's what I deal with. But I think to your point of being an effective educator is understanding where a person is and reflecting on the best possible way to communicate with that person so that you're not coming off as being uh, you, uh, an authoritarian figure where your way goes, or, but it's like, okay, this is where you, where you stand. I'm going to sprinkle in information so that you start to absorb where I'm coming from as someone that you're seeking advice and counsel from. Correct. I think that's, you know, it's called, I think, fluidity. And in, in your profession, which is the medical field, I love the questioning because I think that it puts pressure on practitioners to make sure that they're update or up to date with the newest stuff. So I know working with you that you are constantly thinking and educating yourself about these different uh, techniques and okay, something that was written, you know, 50 years ago, somebody wrote something 10 days ago that kind of threw that principle off, maybe we need to change that. And so that fluidity, definitely in the medical profession, right? Like, I think with WebMD and all the, all this stuff, like no longer are doctors just, you know, God, where it's like, oh, what I say goes like, no, I want to be a part of my recovery, because it's my recovery, right? You're there to guide me. Um, but it's my body, it's my lifestyle, like, I have more to lose than you do. And so making me a partner in the process makes more sense than to just kind of tell me what to do, because you'll have a person that's more invested. And I think that's the power in um, education as well with me. It's like, I can look at a kid and say, all right, like, I came from canned goods and paper plates just like you. Like, my parents were on welfare just like yours. Um, we didn't have this big household. We, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. Um, there was, you, you have a language barrier, but I had a cultural barrier because my parents are not from here. So I feel like I'm able to identify with these kids, um, in a way where I'm still listening to their music, even though I'm like, I don't know about this artist. I don't know what they're saying, but it, it but I understand why this is your outlet. Cause Tupac was my outlet. Biggie was my outlet. So you different artists, but you're still utilizing the same um, techniques to get over whatever your stress is. You still haven't told me who your, your favorite teacher was and why. I'm, I, you're not avoiding that question. Okay. All right. Um, I can think about my, I would say it was my physics teacher in high school uh, who was my favorite. He just managed to make class fun. Like I, I loved physics and I still love physics to this day. It's an integral part of being a physical therapist to understand like uh, force magnitudes of force torques and all that stuff but the experiments we did in class were just so fun and he managed to just make i i don't know what else to say except making learning fun i mean he did cut on one of my friends one day which was hilarious so i think he won a lot of people over with that even though it was at the expense of my friend uh even though he got over it but yeah just like you went there and you knew that you were gonna it was like I literally fell asleep every other history class I had senior year. I literally just put my head down and I still got an A in that class. But for physics, I know it was AP physics. I knew he was going to I knew that I could place out of a college exam. So there was motivation on that part. But and it's just like I knew I knew he knew what he was doing. I trusted him completely. Everyone was having a good time in that class. Like we did experiments with like small groups, we would have homework, and we'd have to collaborate to, to problem solve, like it even got to the point where I was building 
you ever see like those robotics competitions or something where people right. yeah like i did a mild form of that my senior year it was like kind of cool to like have my friend come over and build this like little cart that only was was basically like being run by like springs and rubber bands like it was it was like we had to be creative to come up with that but i i was challenged in ways i never thought i, I would be having him as a teacher and I ended up placing out of college physics, which saved me a lot of time and energy. It was it was a really valuable experience in my life. So he sounds like this person said he or he or she connected with students, were able to have you guys collaborate, empowered you to allow you to be successful and recognize your success. In a nutshell, in a nutshell. Then I, and he went to Princeton, so I, I had kind of a, at least a rumor was he graduated from Princeton. So you're just like, okay, well, this guy, it's kind of how people view me from graduating from Columbia, where it's like, I don't know if I necessarily know more now that I'm a seasoned practitioner than I did. I could say at entry level, maybe yes. Maybe I did come in better prepared because I had the resources. But so to that point, a lot of it is just the, the name carrying more weight. But whether it was or it wasn't the case, he just knew, he just knew how to get results. And in a way where he wasn't putting so much pressure, like you need to do this in order to get to college or to boost his reputation as a good teacher. He knew, you get to a point when you're a, when you're a maestro that you just know that you're good and you don't have to do any, you don't have to say anything. You just, the, pr the proof is in the pudding. Yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah, man. Wow. We, we could go on and on. I know that for, for sure. So hopefully we're not losing people uh, as we're, as we keep going on, but um, yeah, man. So how, what's it like being a dad? I know you, you're uh, you just had a daughter. Was it in July? Yeah. July 8th, man. Emma. Um, oof. Uh, it is, it is work, man. As I tell everybody, tell my students, because you know, I have some students who are like, I can't wait to have kids. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, you guys are kids. Uh, enjoy, enjoy uh, time to yourself and, and figuring yourself out. It's it's a blessing, man. It's 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 a lot of hard work, a lot of you know schedule. Your your schedule is not yours. Your schedule is around this person and this person's needs. Uh, you forget anything that you've read or kind of what you had as far as a game plan going into this thing you just have to be willing to to adapt and i think that's i think the message is like you just have to be willing to adapt if you're not a person that is able to pivot um you're going to find fatherhood and motherhood very very difficult because you just don't know what you're going to get and i think especially under covid it, it it is a little bit more depressing because you know with kids it's kind of like a village experience where you want your village and people around you to experience this child and I was just telling the wife yesterday, I was like, you know, there's people that haven't met uh, Emma who love her. And it's, that's amazing. But the thing is that she probably won't be able to meet them for a very, very long time. And I think that's the sad part about it. Um, but it, it's, it, it, it's, like I said, kids are teachers. I've learned so much of myself or about myself, even being a reflective person over the last five months. So I recommend it, but in due time, and you have to kind of make you have to make that time like you you'll know when or maybe you won't i don't know whatever the circumstances are um but you'll just have to 
kind of figure it out. And that's that's the beauty, beautiful part. It's like every day is different. Yeah. And it's the same at the same time. It's it's different, but it's the same at the same time. It's the same as far as routines and rituals, but it's different because every day he or she is is doing something new. And just you know, just watching you, watching, watching. Like she's like for a while, she was just watching, watching, watching. And then uh, one day, you put your you go to put oatmeal, go to eat oatmeal. She just grabs a spoon. So for two weeks, she's been plotting on, I'm gonna grab this spoon, mm. watching, watching, and then boom, gets it. You know, that's learning. Um, and that's yeah. a beautiful part. Yeah, it's great, man. It sounds like you're you're taking it all in stride. Uh, I definitely recommend, you know, I don't have any children yet, but I, from what I've seen and heard as well, definitely take your time uh, and wait for the, the right opportunity when uh, you and your partner are, are ready. Hopefully you're able to do it with a partner um, if that's what you choose. It's kind of crazy. That just brought, reminded me, one of my friends, is uh, his wife is pregnant and he's like, we're having a she technically, but the child will be a they if they determine whether they want to be a he or she, I was like, wow, it's very mindful of the times, but also like that's where we are. And uh, talking about, Dude, I, yeah, yeah I, I, have, I have a student who identifies um, as you know whatever the proper terminology is, and you know I'm like, wow, this is like, what if Emma identified the same way? It's like I'd still love her the same way. And that's that's growth from if you had, would have asked me that question when I was younger because of the neighborhood and, and how we were raised where that was like not to not a thing to be. And, you know, it's just now it's just a different thing. So, yeah, man, I, I we say the same thing, too. It's like she's a she unless she identifies as something else. And at that point, uh, she, you know, still our child and we'll still love her or him, whatever. That's cool. Well, anyway, uh, Randy. If anyone wanted to reach out to you to discuss like uh, mental health and school systems in general, maybe fatherly advice or anything, or just want to shoot the breeze with you, where can people reach you? Uh, I guess email is the best, man. Uh, my Gmail, randykbowen at gmail.com. Should I have a website at this point? Is that what you're asking? I mean, <laughs> that's entire, I mean, your website might be filled with baby pictures and then on the side activities for, uh, you know, getting through school, applying for college. Yeah, that might be cool to provide a resource for people to apply to school and and whatnot. But that's totally up to you if you want a side project. Yeah. I don't know. I don't need. I don't need any more side projects. I'm still working on the front project, just getting this place situated and you know, trying to stay healthy. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, unlike me, I have I have the time for side projects right now. I actually started uh, doing gymnastics. I saw that. I saw yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. that. It ain't easy, man. It's not easy, but I, I'm doing all the things right now. I have the time. I have. Uh, I also just want to do cool backflips and front flips for Capoeira. So eventually, I hope that transfers into into that because Capoeira has become a passion of mine. Nice. So we'll see. I got an aerial arts class waiting for me in January. Uh, so is I, that the thing where you kind of hold on? Oh yep. my god! Yep. And you do like spins and twirls. Yep. Whew. Let me know how that goes, man. Yep. You have um, good insurance. What's up? You have good insurance. Pretty good. Yeah, actually, pretty good. I'm I'm grateful. Good, good, good. But anyway, 
That's all we have for today, beautiful people. I again, want to thank Randy for his time and insight. Now get out there and make shit happen. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of To Health and Back. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And in the meantime, to connect with Dr. Jordan Seda, you can contact him through all social media networks at dr.jordanseda and online at theabstractphysio.com. Until next time, and remember, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. <laughs>